Thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Good morning. Man, it has been fun. That's really why we do what we do. If you were wondering why we do what we do, why we show up every Sunday and why we do life together is because watching kids come up here, being a family, watching Alaska chase her dad around and all she wants to do is be around him or in front of the microphone. I'm not sure, but man, it's amazing. It's amazing. And if we were to lose our authenticity, if we were to um, if we were to try just do some perfect production for you, then we would be missing the mark, wouldn't we, church? We'd be missing the mark. And so I'm thankful that we get to do life together, that we get to share in this journey together. I loved watching your kids up here. They did an amazing job. Um, the kids workers aren't in here, but can we give Lauren and Alyssa and Jasmine a big hand for just working with them? Thank you guys so much. Man, it truly is amazing when you, have, when you have a people who are passionate about the next generation. They're not just babysitting back there. In fact, from day one, we have set out to pastor your children, to minister to them, to teach them about Jesus, that they would not just sing songs, but they would know why they're singing songs. They would know what those songs mean and the point of those songs, and so we're just so excited for what God is doing in this house this morning. Thank you for showing up this morning on Christmas. This statistically is our lowest Sunday ever, ever. And I told my wife that, and she says, stop saying that. Believe God for people. I was like, I am, babe, but the stats don't lie. So anyway, if you're here, it's because you're either extremely faithful or we put the Christmas production on this Sunday so we would bring some grandparents. So it worked out well in our favor. So thank you, grandparents, for showing up and being a part of this. We will conclude today our series, Mas Navidad, and I'm so excited about what God has been doing in this series. It has been absolutely my mantra, if you've heard it, it's been my mantra over and over again that, that this is the reason for the season. This is why we're here. We need more nativity in our life, more nativity in our life. And what I mean by more nativity is more Jesus. We need more Jesus. You can't get enough of him. And it's so good to be in this series. And last week, I had a dear friend of mine who's becoming a dear friend of mine over the last year was able to share with you a Christmas message on the expectation of the Savior. And Jared Gallardo killed it. Can we give Jared a big hand back there? As he is bending over, tending to his baby right now, so... Man, he killed it. He did an amazing job. Very exceptional. My wife loves it. She loves it when there's point one, point two, and point three, and I could follow along with the whole message. That means she doesn't love my messages as much. <laughs> I hope to inundate you with more Jesus every time you come in here. That is really my goal. I realize that maybe three points you may leave today, and you may not remember three points, but if you remember this, that there was love in that house, and there's a purpose for my life this week, and I'm ready to go conquer the world. If you leave that, leaving, feeling that every Sunday, then we have done really what we've prayed for. 
What we've asked God for, that he would show up in your life and that Jesus would become ever so more clearly in your life. We have been so excited with Benson lately. He has been learning new words. And um, you may not know this, but he's two and a half years old, and he doesn't have an extensive vocabulary. It's been a lot of work just for him to say mom or dad or something like that. And, and it's amazing. His, his favorite word is go. He loves go. He loves ready. And Jaren is so excited because she taught him the word eat. And so now and we're excited, too, because now we don't have to ask if he's hungry. He just says eat, which is so exciting as a parent. Another word that we've been teaching him is tada. Everybody say tada. Tada. We've been teaching them tada. It's, it's every time a block is stacked up, we go tada. Every time, you know, dad comes into the door, you know, through the house, tada. Here's dad. We've been saying tada over and over again. And he's actually caught on a little bit. I think he may be a little confused. It kind of sounds like dada, like tada. And so I'm not sure, but but he does it, ta-da, and anytime he does something amazing, it's a ta-da moment, and I love it. I love how Benson's learning all these things, and in Christmas, I realized that Christmas is a ta-da moment, isn't it? Christmas is a ta-da moment in the fact that, that here is Jesus, ta-da, here is all these things, ta-da, here's Christmas presents, ta-da, all these things are happening. It's a ta-da moment, and we are seeing this. I was on the roof this past Thanksgiving putting on Christmas lights, and I swore to my wife that I would not get up on the very top of our roof. For whatever reason, in San Antonio, there's a lot of two-story houses, and I said, I'm not going up there, babe. But she said, if you don't go up there, we're going to hire somebody to go up there. I'm going up there. I'm going to put those lights up. And man, once you do, and once you finally do it, and you didn't fall off the roof that year and die, once you finally accomplish that and you plug them in, it's a ta-da moment. Ta-da moment. That's really what we have hoped in this series is to create for you a moment of excitement. A moment of excitement of, of who Jesus is and how he is alive today on the earth and how this day Christmas was so so significant now whether you believe it on the 25th or or maybe you're eastern orthodox and you celebrate in January or whenever it is that you celebrate Christ's birth it's an important day and I realize that there's a lot of jaded people out there, aren't there? There's a lot of jaded people, a lot of Christmas haters, and, and a lot of people, in fact, have been skipping this series. And I've been calling them on the phone and saying, where you been? Just kidding. But, but it's, it's so true that Christmas sometimes is not as significant, not as important to people, because maybe this life event that we're celebrating today, Jesus, this birthday of the Christ, of the Savior, of the Messiah, for you, this calendar day may mean something different. Maybe a different event happened. Maybe there was a, maybe your parents were fighting on this holiday. Maybe you lost a loved one in the last year or so, and this reminds you of just another holiday missed with the one that you love spending so much time with. I realize that I make light of a lot of things, don't I? I, I try to keep life light. 
But I also realize this, that life is very heavy as well. And, and in your heaviness, in these moments, sometimes we check out of Christmas. And all you want to do is hide. But I believe, I really believe as a church, as luminous, that we will not let you hide. We will not let you hide, but if you're hiding out, if you're, if you're by yourself, we're going to find you because I believe that life is better together. And I believe that if you're mourning, I'm going to mourn, but you're not going to do it alone. And when you're joyful, I'm going to be joyful. And you're not going to celebrate by yourself. That we will do life together. There's, there's this thing that happens called community that I believe so much in and we need so desperately and i've seen it in this church i've seen it in you i've seen you be family to those who are without family i've seen you do so many amazing things and i want to thank you church for being that this is kind of the end of the year message if you will so this is a moment for me to pause and say thank you Thank you for doing life. Thank you for when you didn't see somebody in a few weeks, you sent them a text. Thank you for when you when that one person has been absent that you went going to knock on their door. I'm so thankful that you haven't left people alone. In fact, that's why we celebrate Christmas. Because the Messiah, Jesus, was bringing people together. Everybody say together together. I brought up this picture of the nativity set. Here's a nativity set. Maybe you have one that looks similar to this one up here. And, and nativity sets are so fun, right? Because they're so awesome. And I love this. This is more of a time lapse, if you will, or a time spectrum. It's like, okay, the shepherds show up and then, you know, Jesus shows up, the shepherd and the angels. And then, and then sometime in the near future, maybe a year later, here come the three wise men. How are they all in the same room at the same time? It just doesn't make sense. And we realize that if we were to build a doctrine off the nativity set, we'd probably be missing a couple of things, wouldn't we? And if it was truly a picture of the nativity set and truly a picture of what it was like for Jesus, then they would put some fragrance smell with it. And it would smell like dung. And it would be awful and stenchy. And I'm not sure if everybody would be happy. You know, Mary may be a little pale after going into labor with the Messiah. I don't know how much he weighed. I don't know how easy that was. But it was tough, wasn't it? It was tough. And, and, and we all know this. So we aren't building a doctrine off the nativity. We know that. But we're trying to keep Christ as a sinner. And, and I know this more than anyone because, you see, when I was trying to get out of debt, Brandy and I set out to get out of debt, and we started working odd jobs. And so one, one week we babysat for a couple and watched their two kids, and we decided not to have kids for four more years. It was awesome. For a season, I actually worked at a ranch right down the church offices, and I went to the horse stalls, and I shoveled manure. Yes, I did that. I did that to make extra cash, and Brandy loved it and yet hated it. She loved the money. She hated the smell. I would come home smelling like dung, and, and as I was thinking about our sweet Savior being born, and in this nativity set, I was thinking about, really how gross and disgusting this place would have been. 
It would have been spiders on the wall. I can imagine bringing Brandy and Brielle to a stall in March as they give, as she gives birth. It would be horrific. It is really a horrific moment, and yet glorious, and yet amazing. So amazing so that people talked about it all over the place. So amazing that an angel showed up to shepherds and told them that the Savior has been born. So amazing that three wise men, three wise men, maybe four, maybe 30, we don't know, but at least two, at least two wise men show up and they see a star in the sky. Now, I love the magi. I love the story of the wise men. They're, they're cute in the nativity set. They, they actually did me well playing as I was growing up. Like, I could actually, you know, like, act like they were moving and stuff. It was really cool. And, you know, if you don't have the wise men at the nativity set, then everybody's out of a character position in the church play. So we need to, like, add more people. So let's bring the wise men and let's bring two angels because there was just, you know, maybe two or let's bring four angels. It's just we just do that. But here we look, and we look at the Magi, and the Magi were these astrologists. They were the ones from the east. And in the east, maybe they were from the era of Babylon. Maybe that's the region they were from. And, and they saw a star in the sky. And then as astrologers, they probably studied the sky well. And as these Magi were growing up in Babylon, they probably understood a little bit of Jewish culture. Because you see, Daniel settled into Babylon, and he brought a little bit of Jewish flair, Jewish culture to the people. So maybe these kings were reading the stories. Maybe they knew about numbers and knew about many of the things that talked about Jesus, the Messiah. Whatever it was, I don't know, but I do know they were headed to go find him. They were headed to go find him, and they had an expectation that they were going to find the Christ. Christmas is all about expectations, isn't it? We find a lot of expectations in Christmas. Some of you are expecting Xboxes and Playstations and amazing gifts. Some of you are expecting diamond rings and engagements and all sorts of stuff. We all expect things at Christmas. And our expectations at Christmas sometimes skew the way we actually see the season, the holiday, and the purpose of it. I was in eighth grade, and as an eighth grader, I, I loved a lot of girls. Sorry, babe, I just did. And uh, my, my friend and I, we both loved a lot of girls, and we would talk about the girls, and we would talk to the girls, and one Christmas, we were walking in the mall, and then we decided to go to the Disney store. Matt and I, we ended up going to the Disney store, and we were looking to find what we were going to find the two finest girls in our class, right? And so we were looking, and we were shopping, and we found some earrings. This was going to be amazing. I already had the expectations. I was going to take the earrings to the girls, and then they would fall in love with us, and then we would live happily ever after at least for a couple of weeks. And it would be awesome. So we had these expectations, and, and my friend went out of town. And when he did, he gave me the present, and he said, I want you to deliver my present as well. I said, absolutely, I'll do that. Now, as I was having these expectations of what it was going to be like, I 
double up on the presents, maybe just give two to one, or maybe, maybe divvy them out and say they were both for me. But really what happened was I began to get really scared. And I began to say, you know, do they even like Disney? I mean, does an eighth grader want Mickey Mouse earrings? I mean, I don't know if that's really that cool. I don't know if I can really do this. I, I don't think I can do this. And I remember not even giving the gifts. And a year later, I tell my friend Matt, hey, man, I didn't give those gifts to them. I chickened out. You know what I love is, I love, this is silly, but what I love is there was an expectation in the wise men, and they weren't chickens. They had the wisdom to seek out what was lying beneath that star, the Savior. Matthew 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Point one, what do you see? What do you see in this Christmas season? What do you see in this Christmas season? Are you seeing what the wise men saw? Are you seeing something that will take you 1,300 miles across the countryside, over mountains and through valleys and over rivers, 1,300 miles they traveled, great lengths they went to, to see Jesus. What do you see this Christmas? Do you see your in-laws and trying to be nice and have small talk for a whole day? Do you see trying to fake a smile as you receive a gift? What do you see this Christmas? What do you see this Christmas as Christmas is approaching? What do you see? In verse 2, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Not only what do you see, but where do you look? What do you see? But where do you look? Where do you look in this Christmas season? Where do you look? These magi were looking in the palace, in the city that the king would have reigned. If he is the king of the Jews, he should surely be in Jerusalem. So that's where they went. It was it a was very plausible conclusion for them, and that's where they started going. And my question is, where do you look? And if you look at Luminous, and you look at our church, are you finding Jesus? That's been the big question that I've asked all year. Are you finding Jesus when you walk into this place? Are you finding Jesus when you have a conversation? Are you finding him here? You know, it's amazing. Jesus came through an obscure place, a humble place. As I look at a humble place, I think about a church. And if a church loses its humility, it can quickly lose its meaning. And so do we find Jesus here? And what about you? Where do you look? When we look at your house, are we finding Jesus? 
When we look at your home, is Jesus the sinner? Is he there? In your conversations this Christmas, are they going to be able to find him? In Luke 18, 8, Jesus says this. He says, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Even Jesus asked this question. Will they find me? Will they find me? When I look at you, will, will Jesus be present? Will he be evident there? Does he have a place there? In verse 7, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. I too may come and worship him. The first Christmas war was about to happen. The first Christmas war, you see, Herod was afraid. He, he feared losing his power, his position. He feared losing all of his influence, all these things he feared. And, and therefore, he wanted to take care of Jesus. He didn't want to come worship him. He actually wanted to destroy him. And the first Christmas war began, and they haven't stopped since, have they? They haven't stopped since. I was watching a clip from Billy Graham this week. In early 1950, he was talking to the nation on the television, and he was talking about keeping the Christ in Christmas. It's fascinating how I thought that was a new thing that was coming about. But even Billy Graham was talking about keeping the Christ in Christmas. We have all been in this war of trying to keep Christ in Christmas. But I want to tell you, church, there's been nothing to fear. There's been nothing to fear. We will not lose the meaning of Christmas. We will not lose the meaning of Jesus. It will not be lost. It can't be lost because you see it's bigger than us and it's not in our control and we can't wield it. It's so true, right? Because Christ is amazing. God is so amazing that he protected Jesus before there was a television broadcast. God was so amazing, he protected Christmas before there was text messaging and Facebook messages and Instagram. God protected Christmas then. He's going to protect it now. There is nothing to fear. There is nothing to fear. I love that God protects Christmas and he protects Jesus. In verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening the treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. By another way. What do you give? What do you give? Most people make the journey towards something about them. It's not a, they go and it's about what they can get and not what they can give. For instance, we do it a lot of times on mission trips, don't we? On mission trips, I remember taking 12 punk kids on a mission trip to Scotland. 
And then I said, hey, we're going to Scotland. We're going to preach the gospel. Kids are going to get saved. There's a church plant meeting in a movie theater in Edinburgh. It's going to be incredible. I can't wait to go. Sign up. Who wants to go? Twelve kids sign up, and all they heard was, we're going to Scotland. That's all they heard. Forgot the message of Jesus. Forgot everything. I mean, trying to, trying to get all these sophomore guys to just love Jesus along the way. But we do it all the time. We went over there, man. I remember going over there. It was awesome seeing Scotland, seeing the green, seeing everything that's just so picturesque, everything that we talked about, going to castles. And it was an amazing experience. I remember halfway through the trip, we st stood in a circle. We stood in a circle during a debrief moment time and talking about our highs and lows of the day. And as we're sitting in this circle, Everybody's like, man, it was awesome, dude. I wore my cowboy hat, and I went longboarding in the park, and it was awesome. And different people were saying different things. We had fish and chips, and it was so cool. And I remember sitting there and saying, man, I'm frustrated. I'm so frustrated. You guys disgust me. I did. I think I said something to that effect. Man, we're here for the gospel. We're here for Jesus. We're here to share his good news. This is why we came, and you're here just for a missioncation. Shame on you. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit showed up, and he reoriented us. Oftentimes, like the Holy Spirit does, he reorients you to focus on the thing that matters the most. We had the special time of praying together. Many of our kids were filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. Many of us were on our knees crying and weeping. And the next day, it was not a missioncation, but the gospel went forth. And kids responded and got saved. It was amazing. But I think in Christmas, in any season, we need to reorient ourselves. We need to get right, and we need to move in a place and a posture that is before the king. And that's what these guys did. These wise men came. They traveled 1,300 miles. They went to Jerusalem looking there. He wasn't there. They didn't get discouraged because wise men seek out the thing that they need the most. That's what wisdom is. Seek out the thing that you need the most, which is Jesus. And if I were to wise up, I would look at myself in the mirror and realize I need Jesus today. And that's what these wise men did. They, they needed Jesus, and so they moved to Bethlehem. And there in a moment, when they saw the child, when they finally found him, when he was no longer a baby in a manger, but started to grow up, that worship was still in their heart. That worship for the king still mattered. That worship was still there. And they knelt down and got on their knees and worshiped God. They gave him three gifts, one worthy of a king, gold, is what you would give a king. They gave him gold. They gave him frankincense, frankincense used by priests because he's the high priest. And they gave him myrrh because they knew that perhaps one day he would give his life and a perfume for burial was only appropriate. In a moment, they realized he's king, he's high priest, and he's going to lay down his life for me. They reoriented themselves. They got before King Jesus, and they knelt there. As we started this journey in 2015, we started with a theme called risk. Much 
very appropriate to today because we see some wise men who took a risk not knowing what they would find underneath the star, but they found Jesus. And I encouraged you as luminous that you would step out and take a risk with your life, that you would hear what God would say to you and what he wants you to do, and you would go all out and for it. Risk was so amazing. We, we graphically put this together. Our, our marketing department, a.k.a. Tyler, put this together. And it was, it was the flight to the moon that took off. Nothing says risk more than this. Get on a jet-fueled rocket and launch yourself up to the unknown. And then they go. And it's so amazing. That's what we encourage you to do. And to, to conclude this year and this morning, I want to show you the video from Apollo 8. Thank you for taking a risk. Thank you for going out and doing what God has called you to do. And at the end of that, we're going to see Jesus. We're going to see Jesus. I love this picture because it's a grandiose picture of who Jesus is. You know, what's amazing is as Apollo 8 began to journey out and as they began to set out, 
when you look at the earth and you realize how small you are, it puts you in awe, doesn't it? It puts you in awe and it puts you in a place of worship. And when you look just like the Magi did and you look at baby Jesus, you realize he's small, but he's grand. He's small right in that moment, but he's my king, he's my savior. He's actually really big, and I'm the one who's small. It took wise men to recognize that. Wise men to recognize how small they really are, how big Jesus really is. This Christmas, Mas Navidad, I'm praying that you would find Jesus wherever you do life this week that you would find Jesus, you would find him exactly where he is, and that you would be pointing people to our King, to our Savior. In this moment, as we sing, Oh Holy Night, together as a church, would we remember that day when Jesus came, lived a life that you and I should have lived perfect, holy, blameless, and took our place so that we may have life. Jesus, we love you today. We praise you today. We glorify you in every way today. And God, I thank you for Mas Navidad. I thank you for more Christmas. And more importantly, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, you're amazing. It's more than figurines and more than Christmas shopping and so much more than that, Jesus. The gift is you. And that's the greatest exchange that we now live for. Let us remember you this Christmas. We love you, Lord.
Jesus, we love you. Happy birthday, Jesus. We just are so grateful for you. We praise you right now. Let's give God a big hand this morning. Hey, it's good to see you. I'm glad you showed up. 
Hey, if you need prayer this morning, seriously, if you need prayer, don't leave this sanctuary without prayer. Don't leave without God doing what he can do. And so we'll have prayer workers right up here on your way out. We hope that you have a Merry Christmas. Don't show up next Sunday. And if you do, please go see a movie because we won't be here. Hey, we love you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To find out more about service times, giving, and community groups that meet throughout the week, please visit us online at luminouschurch.org.